Recently, I've become obsessed with the podcast, How I've Built This. It's done by Guy Raz and NPR, and he interviews entrepreneurs and talks about how they built their million, billion dollar companies. Now, Work Wisdom is not some giant gazillion dollar company, but its remarkable beginnings and perhaps improbable success make me think, we need to have a How I Built This episode on The Behaviorist. So Guy Raz, you're a star and I love your show. This is an homage to you. Welcome to The Behaviorist with Work Wisdom, where we help you adopt high performance mindsets, behaviors, communication, and culture. I'm your host, Sarah Colantonio. Our intention for The Behaviorist podcast is to share accessible, concrete practices that you can weave into your whole life to begin a shift toward joy and meaningful achievement. Today, we're turning our focus on how work wisdom was built. We're grateful to have Kedron Crosby from the Work Wisdom joining us. Kedron, how are you doing today? Mm, I'm kind of nervous about this one. Really? Yeah. Okay, well, maybe this first question will ease your mind, but probably not because it's a hard one. (laughs) So you weren't planning on being an entrepreneur, were you? But when your original co-founder decided to do something else, you decided to go ahead and start Work Wisdom anyway. What made you decide to go ahead and start the company? Desperation. I'm sorry, I laughed. Well, I don't. Th- I didn't really have any. I I didn't feel like I had a choice. I felt like the 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 ideas um, and the the work around organizational behavior needed to have a place in the world uh, in a very accessible, non-academic, sticky to use Heath Brothers language mm-hmm. way. And um, so I didn't really feel like I had a choice. Also, all of the, all of the, uh, the website had been created. The, the business cards were pretty much almost printed. So I felt like, oh my gosh, all of this is almost done. Um, I know I wasn't supposed to be the owner of this company, but all we need to do is talk to an attorney, transfer it into my name, and then, and then this can live in okay. the world, and we can be helpful in all the ways that I had dreamt of being helpful. Um, but I was just going to be the vice president. So, so you had a bunch of money saved, I'm guessing, yep. to launch work yep. wisdom. Yeah, that would be no. So I, so yeah, no, I didn't ever plan to start the company. So I hadn't ever thought about what it takes to be a business owner. Um, so when I I had a week, um, well, actually, I, I didn't really have a week. I, um, the person who was going to start the company decided to go in a different direction, and I didn't have any way of, of making money. So I just jumped right in with both feet, um, got some clients, really wonderful clients right away, and they liked what we did, and so... I did definitely live on credit cards for Mm. a little while. Um, I sold my car. (laughs) Um, I had a lovely Honda SUV (laughs) that I sold. And so I think I was able to live on that for about six months. Mm. Bought a a, a Mercedes station wagon from like 1987. It was gorgeous, but it didn't run and didn't have air conditioning. I was always sweaty and stinky (laughs) for that first couple of years. 
Yeah. It was embarrassing. But yeah, so no. So it was um, living on credit cards and just selling as much stuff as I could. Yeah. So that first year, how, how was that first year? What was like a major low from the first year of work wisdom? A major low? A major low. Uh, hopefully my voice will not quiver. Um, you know, it felt like on a regular basis, I couldn't pay my bills. Mm. Um, but I, it didn't seem to bother me. In hindsight, it didn't bother me as much as it should have. I, I somehow kept believing that the work was important enough and that the clients were so, so gra- gratified and so mm-hmm. grateful for our work that it would all work out eventually or or I would just run out of things to sell (laughs) and then I'd have to go get a real job so I I think the lows were probably around finances yeah yeah also I don't know if they talk about this on how I built this I think lows for me were um were others in the space of of this field who were not supportive who were actively um worked worked pretty hard to make sure that that work wisdom was not going to be successful so I think that was strengthening in that you really developed some depth of character you know you leaned in and you said well how am I going to deal with this person Hmm. um how am I going to stay above the fray what's my reaction going to be so I think that that imprints on you, how you'll behave for years and years out yeah. that, that first year. What about the highs? What were, what was the major high? Oh my gosh. Year one? So many highs. Oh yeah. I mean, it was so many. And like I said, in hindsight, I wasn't all that worried about the money should yeah. have been two yeah. kids in high school. Um, but the highs were really, uh, incredible. So, Highs, like I said, you know, the clients were just so grateful that something like us existed yeah. because nothing else like that was out there, which yeah. is which is really why I built this was right. because, you know, when I was younger and Googled and Googled and Googled burnout, I couldn't find a resource. Yeah. Um, so, so I think one of the greatest highs was getting other people on the team, that there were other people who raise their hand or would come to me and say, gosh, I love this idea. How can I be part of it? Mm-hmm. And my first reaction was, are you kidding me? What's, the, what's, there's no money. There's no, <laughs> you know, there's very little, there's no celebrity. There's no, it's just, it's just being helpful. Yeah. And so, uh, I think that was probably all the greatest ties were, were the people who, mm. who came to me and said, I, I really want to be part of this and I have ideas yeah. and they were, and they were often better ideas than mine, you know? And yeah. so it was really neat to be able to put together a team. Yeah. Yeah. How did you know what to do from day to day? Mm. It's complicated to be a business owner. So how mm. did you figure that out? You mean things like QuickBooks <laughs> there? Okay. I guess there's, there's things. Well, I mean, there are the operational things that you have to figure out and um I didn't I didn't use YouTube as much as maybe (laughs) I could have maybe it was I don't know I guess it's almost 
four and a half, five years ago, I, I asked questions of mm-hmm. friends that have some, had some inklings about how to do things. But it was surprisingly simple okay. to, to do what we were doing. We're, we're a sole proprietor LLC. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, uh, we have an attorney at BCGL, Ted Brubaker, who was amazing. Yeah. And I'm sure he didn't charge me like even $5 an hour <laughs> to do what he did. Um, he was really helpful. Um, Angie Lightfoot, the CFO at the YWCA, taught me how to start uh, my own QuickBooks. Mm-hmm. And so there were just a lot of kind yeah. s- kind souls who were willing to look at me while I was in the gutter and say, <laughs> oh, honey, here, let me tell you. Yeah. So, um, so those were, those were some of the ways I think in big ways, you know, I have a practice that has served me really well for, for decades, but I have a morning practice where I do journaling Mm -hmm. and, um, some, uh, meditation, some journaling, some prayer, some all kinds of things, all the things yoga now. (laughs) Um, and that practice, if you look back on my journals, that's where I am making huge decisions okay. about um, which service lines to launch, mm-hmm. which ones not to, what target markets to pursue, which ones not to. Mm-hmm. And so the gleaning really happens in my journaling. Yeah. Wow. Now that you're in your fourth year, what would you say to Kedrin in that first year to help her? Is this the part where I start crying? <laughs> um, what would I say? Uh, just be yourself. Okay. That's it. Do you want more answers than that? <laughs> um, I would probably say, you know, we never did loans. We, you know, mm-hmm. I just sold stuff. Yeah. Um, who okay. needs that saxophone <laughs> from high school? So I wouldn't, I mean, I know that some entrepreneurs look back and say to their earlier selves, take the loan. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, we didn't have to. Yeah. Um, what would I have said? Um, I think, I think I, I would have said just that, you know, be yeah. true to yourself. Mm-hmm. Follow, follow the instincts uh, about what to say no to. Yeah. Uh, although I am really grateful to people who pushed me to, to try and do things that were a little bit outside of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You know, originally we weren't going to do any strategy. And right. as I said on our last <laughs> podcast, um, we had a, a, a colleague at a local foundation who really encouraged me mm-hmm. to think about doing strategy, even though I didn't really see that as part of our service lines mm-hmm. originally. So yeah, I think trusting yourself, um, you know, actually I got some great advice from my mentor about six months ago, which is, um, only work with companies that value you. Yeah. So I think those first couple of years, we definitely worked with anyone who would talk to us, <laughs> <laughs> even if they treated us like complete garbage. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I was pretty good at taking it, too. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think that I would have maybe said that to my earlier self. Okay. How about just work with companies that value you? Yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. Mm-hmm. Guy Raz, he always asks this of the entrepreneurs that he interviews 
how much of work wisdom success is luck and how much is hard work? Mm. Hmm. It's got to be the combination. Okay. What do they say on how I built this? I don't know. For me, it's, it's, you know, it's absolutely the combination. You have to couple them. So you wait for the luck Mm -hmm. and then you work really hard once it comes or, or you're working really hard so that the luck comes. But I think it's, there should be one word for it. Yeah. The Germans probably have (laughs) some long word word that's like luck, hard work. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In Freuden. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, I think it has to be both of them together. Yeah. Lots of miracles. Yeah. Every day. Mm-hmm. To the aspiring organizational behaviorists out there, what piece of advice do you want to impart to them? Hmm. I think they need to know what their purpose on the planet is. Okay. And I think they need to have a lot of self-awareness. They need to know who they are where they're best, what their differentiators are. Some aspiring organizational behaviorists are probably best positioned to be academics. And some, if they're outdoor cats like we are (laughs) and are very interested in applied organizational behavior, then they could start something like we have. Try and figure out how to help people um, who who are in it. So I think it depends on the individual. Thank you for telling your story and having the grit to start a company uh, the world absolutely needs. And I'm really grateful to you for being part of this movement of helping world changers in the workplace to enhance their individual and collective team performance. Thank you listeners for downloading The Behaviorist. We hope you'll subscribe. Please reach out to us through our website, workwisdomllc.com where you can enjoy Work Wisdom Press and Productions, ask questions and give suggestions of topics you'd like us to explore in future episodes. As is our custom, we'll leave you with one minute wisdom. The master, while being gracious to all his disciples, could not conceal his preference for those who lived in the world, the married, the merchants, the farmers, over those who lived in the monastery. When he was confronted about this, he said spirituality practiced in the state of activity is incomparably superior to that practiced in the state of withdrawal.